Welcome to the Stronger Than Autoimmune podcast. As an autoimmune warrior myself, I understand living with chronic illness isn't easy. You're not alone. This podcast was made to bring hope. I will interview individuals living with autoimmunity along with businesses and experts to provide knowledge and support. As an autoimmune coach, I understand there is no cure for autoimmune disease, but lifestyle changes can influence how we feel. So join me on being stronger than autoimmune. And shout out to all the listeners out there, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So how can you support the podcast? I'm glad you asked. There are three ways to support the podcast. One, rate on Spotify. Two, review on Apple. Three, share with a fellow autoimmune warrior so they too can have hope and be stronger than autoimmune. So let's get started. Guess who I just connected with, warriors? Leap Cure. Leap what? Leap Cure. Leap Cure connects patients with clinical trials to make research more equitable and efficient. Listen to their latest clinical trial. If you've been diagnosed with thyroid eye disease and are seeking potential new treatment options, you might be interested in the LIDS clinical trial. If you're 18 and over, have a diagnosis of Graves' disease or Hashimoto's, and are interested in potentially participating in research, you can fill out a short questionnaire at lpcur.com ted. You'll be connected with someone on the team to determine whether it might be a good fit for you. Check your eligibility and learn more at lpcur.com ted. Hello, my next guest is marriage coach Claire Yorison. She coaches men and women to save their broken marriage. She helps them avoid divorce, not tear down all that they have built over the years and save their marriage instead. So thank you, Claire, for joining me on the Stronger Than Autoimmune podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So where are you connecting from? So I'm in Denmark, um, in Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful accent. I just love to hear. But it's late over there, right? It's about four o'clock. It is. Yeah, it is 4 p.m. here. Um, so my accent is it's a combination of things everywhere. But originally, <laughs> I come from Ghana. Um, I have lived a bit in the U.S. I've been in U.K. and I think recently I spent a lot of my time here in Denmark. So it's not it's not any of those accents. It's just a okay. combination of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you make it your own. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I am very interested in your story. What what made you get into being a marriage coach? I mean, you could be mm-hmm. a coach for anything. Yes. Um, so my my story is uh, is fun, is dramatic, and uh, but it has a happy ending. So I'm my husband and I. You know, my husband is a Danish man, and um, we met. You know, um, and we were madly in love. So it was a very nice fairy tale um, until we got married, and then infertility showed its ugly head. Um, and that was tough for us. That was a whole a whole bunch of stuff that 
you know, was tough on us individually, but as a couple. So by the yeah. time we came to, you know, the middle part of it, our marriage was beginning to shake a bit. We we're very lucky we had kids, you know, two amazing kids eventually, but the marriage was still in trouble. And um, when your marriage is in trouble and you have kids, <laughs> they can turn the heat up because now yeah. you have to also agree on diaper changes, who takes the evenings. We both were career people. <clears throat> so that was, you know, that was tough. And I think eventually, you know, we, we, we hit, you know, troubled marriage. Let's just call it that. And we tried different things. Um, we're actually quite creative sometimes, but then we eventually decided, mm, Oh, at least I decided I was done, you know, um, and I wanted out. Um, I actually wanted a separation, but my husband, he doesn't do this thing in between. And I'm, I'm so grateful he's like that. He's like, either we are in or we are out. I don't know what a separation is. Mm. <laughs> so then out, <laughs> out was the only option. So we actually got divorced. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. I know. And when we got divorced, you know, I mean, at the point we got divorced, we, we didn't like each other. Um, I mean, we've, we've always been friends, so we could figure out how to, you know, be civil around the kids. And we came up with a good arrangement, but we, we didn't like each other. If you spoke to me about my husband, you spoke to me at that time, all I would do is to just basically complain about my husband. I'm, I mean, I'm <laughs> sure he didn't go around complaining about me, but those that he was close to, he did have his own venting avenue. So we didn't really like each other. And I remember one day sitting down and thinking, is this what life is going to be like? You know, mm. my kids going here one week and going there the other week, you know, and that particular year I was alone for Christmas because my family is not here. And he had the kids for Christmas. And I was thinking, Ooh, life is going to be tough, you know, long. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> if this is what life is going to be like. Um, I had a couple of people inviting me over for Christmas, but you know, in Denmark, Christmas is a very family affair. So you will be a third wheel, you know, at people's family dinner where they are talking about stuff and you're just you. So I decided <clears throat> maybe we could reconcile in a way where we could actually still have, you know, family dinners um, or occasions together. Maybe we could travel apart um, in a good way. So what if, even though we are divorced, we reinvented the way we could be, you know, as a divorced uh, family. And so I started looking into what could be done. And I mm -hmm. realized that, you know, my husband, he was not interested. So that was going to be me. If I really wanted us to reconcile in some way and come up with some good agreement, I was going to have to do the work. And that's one of the main things that I emphasize on. And that's the reason why I also say that to save a marriage, you don't need two people. You need one person that is committed to doing the work. So I had to take a long look at myself and I had to do the work, which means I had to be a nicer person towards him. I had to stop the nagging. I had to stop complaining about how horrible he was. I had to start looking at something good to connect with him about. So I, I reached out for reconciliation and it was not for us to get together at all. It was just, could we even just go for summer holidays together? Because you're mm. going to have to take the kids somewhere. I'm going to have to take the kids somewhere. It's going to even be exhausting for these kids to go for two weeks with mommy, two weeks with daddy. It's like, is this even a life? Yeah. Um, and my husband had a girlfriend at that time, but um, he's very focused on his children anyway. So as I started 
looking internally at myself, I realized that actually I needed to do a lot of work. I realized how negative I was actually. I realized how I had to consciously struggle to look for good in the dynamics between us. And that was how my journey started. And I realized I didn't even have time to focus on him and what he was doing and what he wasn't doing. I had a lot of work to do. Yeah, it was. I had to put my ego aside. (laughs) That's the biggest thing. I had to put my ego aside. I had to decide that I wanted reconciliation over being right in conversations. I wanted reconciliation over, you know, I insist you did something, you should apologize. So it's not like any of us were innocent, but each of us thought you change. Yeah, yeah, pointing <laughs> the finger. marriage be good. <laughs> exactly. So that was my journey. And the journey of reconciliation, when I started working on myself and I started showing up in my marriage, in you know, actually not in my marriage, in my divorce, intentionally, as a co-parent, as an amazing person, as a kind person, as a person that the other person actually enjoyed being around. He also, you know, leaned in. And then we ended up actually enjoying the most amazing vacation together, even though we were divorced. And from there, it actually took off to a good place. And then we actually got remarried. So that's my story. I'm curious, uh, how Mm -hmm. many years was it between the divorce to when you finally got remarried? So three years, one and a half years, and then one, you know, probably about half a year where I did a lot of work. Um, And then he actually also leaned in. So my language changed, my attitude changed, and he also you know, was started being nice to me. Um, and that was where it took off from. And we are so happy that we actually got divorced because that first marriage was not a good marriage. Mm. But we are more happy that we were able to find ourselves back together because we are very happy. And it's the yeah. same two people. So it was the dynamics that was a problem. It wasn't me. It wasn't him. It was the relationship. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing. And I, and I can tell that your marriage is blossoming because you're smiling and just telling the story. <laughs> I mean, if it, if it wasn't true, you wouldn't be smiling. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing. Thank and you. so I'm wondering, you know, when people date, it's mm-hmm. all, you know, fun and giggles and lovey dovey. And then, and you could do that for years, right? But then once you get married, it's a completely different ball game. So talk about what makes marriage so difficult or why does it change things? So I think at least one of the biggest things I have experienced is our expectations. Um, and yesterday I just saw a quote somewhere that said that marry reality, not potential. So when we are dating people, what we get is actually um, a fairy tale version <laughs> of reality. Um, and it's not because they change, but the truth is, you know, there's something exciting about, you know, seeing you only when I want to see you. Um, even if you are, you know, so the, the, the closest to marriage is those are moving together for a a longer period of time before they get married. They don't get that shocked when they get married, actually. 
But for those of us, at least um, from the background that I come from, you typically will be dating the person. Maybe you spent a weekend here or there. Maybe you went on some holidays. But marriage is the first time that you live with a person continuously for a year or six months or sometimes even a month. Um, and so you start seeing different aspects of, of the person and you actually have to do life together. In marriage, you cannot, you know, just lock yourself up. Okay, I called him. I didn't get hold of him. Maybe we'll talk tomorrow. This person is in your house. You're also in their house. You are together, <laughs> you know, all the time. And so you are actually forced to get along. And I'm sure if I had to stay with my brother for a year continuously, even though I've lived with him for many years, he would get, you know, he would get on my nerves and I'll probably also get on his nerves. So I think for most people or for most of us, it is unrealistic expectations. And it, it is because of all the movies and stuff that we watch, the fairy tale, yeah. <laughs> the things that we watch in these movies, they paint a certain picture. Um, sometimes I hear people saying that maybe I married the wrong person. I don't believe in the wrong person. Mm. I believe in actually maybe paying attention to what you pick. So the choice to start with, because there are some things that I cannot deal with, you know, for example, not to judge, but I cannot deal with an alcoholic partner, which means if I am meeting my, my husband in bars and he's always drinking and every time I'm having conversations with him, he's drunk. Maybe I should pay attention because mm -hmm. I don't want that. But that face is like, Oh, he's so funny. And then you marry and this person comes home every day and yeah, drunk every weekend you know then suddenly that's a problem because now you want him to be something else right but this person showed you who they were before you got married so sometimes we don't pay attention and then we marry and then we have different expectations that the person is going to become a better person we are able to bring the best out of each other if we figure out how to be together in a good way but typically in the beginning it's a forming phase it's a phase where we are figuring out who we are individually. We are even figuring out who we are as individuals and figuring out who we are together as a couple. So that's the first thing. That's one of the first things that go wrong. And then the second thing is that I don't think we invest in our relationship. So my husband and I had a fairy tale. I mean, we love traveling. So if you didn't know our marriage was in trouble, we still traveled to amazing places. And every time we traveled, we were on good terms. It was amazing. <laughs> but we come back to reality and then reality hits us. So when our marriage started having issues, I think one of the things that actually saved us was that we were desperately looking for help. But we didn't start looking for help early. Um, we did have a lot of conversations. We did try, we did. And I, I mean, help is not going to a counselor one time in three years. And then you spoke to somebody one time and then you think your marriage will be fixed. And we did that. But part of the reason why we were able to salvage our marriage was because I spent a lot of money on coaches. My husband did as well. And then together we did at some point. So we did, we kind of understood what the issues were. We had some tools to work with. But the reality is whether one of us wanted to do the work. But the truth is one person has to actually do the sacrifice. And typically when one person takes that bold step, you become like a role model for the other person to also model after. But none of us want to do the work because it's a lot of work. Because like I said, I had to put my ego aside. And I, I mean, I think I have an ego, but I don't even think my ego is the biggest. <laughs> you know, I deal with people <laughs> cases and I'm like, ooh. 
you're gonna have to really because it's a lot of focus on i am right and i mean do you know who i am and why should i do this and why should he get to walk away uh you know and be you know not not be the one sacrificing and putting the ego aside is is something that a lot of people struggle with so when yeah. the problems come it is how we deal with it and whether we actually want to do the work so in the beginning wrong expectations challenges come and challenges will come i mean if people are married and they claim they've never had some challenges i don't know but i i mean i believe the that line. actually the challenges make us line. better they make us better they are yeah. lying you're right Desiree. They, they make <laughs> us better they make us love each other more actually they bring something more out of us so when the challenges come is how do we deal with it and whether somebody actually wants to do the work and puts their ego aside so that that's interesting how you mentioned that challenges make us love each other more can, can i don't know about that just kidding <laughs> no but i'm curious like what, what makes you say that <laughs> yeah yeah so what i mean by that is um for example if you have a partner that has you know a habit that you don't like um and i'm not gonna mention the one that everybody dreads which is infidelity <laughs> i'm not gonna mention that one because i'm not sure about that one but the other ones like for example i have a, a partner that you know smokes and i want I, I don't like it you know and maybe the person was not smoking before we got married and it's something that they picked up along the way um <clears throat> So that challenge in itself and how we navigate it can make us stronger and form a stronger bond. So it is me watching this person and saying, I love you so much that I'm willing to watch you do the work to get rid of it. I'm mm -hmm. willing to not just throw you out of the window. And the other person <laughs> also saying that, you know, I love you so much that this is hard for me to stop, but I'm trying, I'll do my best. And how we navigate through it and get, so is the process of getting rid of that problem. So the challenges themselves actually can make the relationship really stronger. So if I see a couple that is like, you don't have any problems that you discuss, you don't have anything you don't like about each other or anything that you struggle about. I'm like, are you guys sure you're real with each other? You know, do you actually talk about your feelings? You know, I'm not saying that everybody needs to have a problem because mm. they creep up and they are much yeah. bigger when they creep up. So the challenges yeah, you can't can make ignore us. it anymore. No, you cannot. It, it just uh, but there are some like a, challenges. Built, exactly. Built. Mm -hmm. yeah. But there are some challenges like infidelity that requires some other kind of navigation before they become a good challenge. Because yeah. that shakes the foundation of trust. So, okay. Now that we're on that subject, <laughs> trust, what mm -hmm. are the pillars of a healthy marriage? I mean, there, so the there has pillars, to be certain foundations, right? Yeah. Yes. And I'm going to say something that, you know, I'm, I hope challenges us a bit. So one of the biggest foundations of a, a good marriage is two individuals who are healthy. Um, and when I say health, I don't mean physical health. I mean emotionally, mentally, psychologically. One of the challenges that I believe is the biggest issue is that I have my own issues. I have my traumas. I have my self-confidence issues. I have my self-esteem issues. So every time my partner says something, I back at them and say, you know, you don't like me. You don't appreciate me. You don't respect me. And it, it's not him, you know, it's me. <laughs> so if I have these issues and he also has these issues, it is very likely that we will struggle to form a healthy marriage. 
So one of the biggest cornerstones of a good marriage is two individuals who are healthy in their mind and in their spirit and in their, you know, um, in their emotions. Um, that's the underlining thing. Because if I am good with myself and I am okay with myself, even if I mess up, I will have the confidence and the respect to, to be honest about it, you know, and be honest early enough for my partner and also respect that my partner has to process it. Um, and my partner to also respect that I'm still an individual. I messed up or whatever happened with me there. Um, but you know, I am also going through a process then we can deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so if we are not each healthy and that's the reason why if you get a good marriage coach, one of the first things that they will ever do is to work on you as an individual. We work on you and find out what's going on with you before we deal with the problem. Because if we deal with the problem and you still have issues with you, it will take you literally just a few months and you create the problem again, or you move on into another relationship and the problem will come up again because it starts with us. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is um, trust. It's, 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 it's a big deal. Um, and that's the reason why suspicion in a relationship, the suspicion itself tears a relationship apart because the suspicion shakes the foundation of trust. Um, uh, the, you know, the cornerstone of marriage, which is trust. Um, so if I'm on, if I'm going to marry somebody, I better make up my mind. I'm going to trust them. And that's a decision you make. I'm going to trust you. You know, yeah. even if I have my doubts, I'm going to trust you unless I find evidence, unless something is sitting in my face. Of course, I should also be re realistic and reasonable. I'm going to trust you snooping around your phone, suspecting you, wondering where you're going. I mean, that's not making a decision to trust somebody. So yeah. trust is actually a decision we make, but it's also something that I need to make sure that I do things that contributes to my partner's ability to trust me. So each person chosen to do what it takes and also choosing to trust the other person. For me, if you can do these two things, you are quite far into a happy and a healthy relationship. We don't need to do a lot of things. We just need to be healthy ourselves and trust each other. That's it. We'll be fine. What are the signs that somebody is healthy? I mean, like for the people that are single out there mm -hmm. listening, what are some things that they can look out for before they get married? Yeah. So, so if you are, if you meet um, a person and they spend so much effort and time, and sometimes we think it's romantic or, oh, he cares where I'm going. She cares and she wants to track me. And she's, if somebody has too much interest in every single move you are making, that is an indication of insecurity mm -hmm. and somebody that might struggle to trust you. It's not romantic. You know, some of the things we think it's, it's not romantic. That's it's different. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it isn't. But sometimes, you know, especially women, you know, we like this chauvinism where, oh my God, he's protective over me. He cares where I am. Well, that thing is going to bite you in future in marriage because it doesn't, it doesn't stop. It becomes actually worse. It becomes, mm. where are you? When are you coming home? Why do you need to meet that girlfriend? You know, so those are some of the signs. If the person also absolutely never asks where you are going, what you are doing, it means that they probably don't care that much. That's the other extreme end. So a healthy person is somebody that, you know, cares, but has boundaries and also lets you be, doesn't need to know everywhere you are, you know, everywhere you are every time. A healthy person is somebody that also gives you information themselves. Oh, I'm going to go here, you know, tomorrow. 
whether you remember that they said it or not, they just feel, you know, obliged to some extent to share what is going on in their lives with you. If somebody, oh, he's so secretive, he's so nice, I can tell him everything. Well, tomorrow you'd be married to him and you wouldn't know where he went last night, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so those are some of the signs that we actually ignore when we are dating people. Now, somebody that is helpful, somebody that is hospitable. I mean, being helpful doesn't mean the person needs to know how to cook or clean or do stuff, but it's like, are you okay? Do you want a cup of tea? Do you want some water? You know, um, it, these, these indications, small indications that the person is okay in themselves, they pay attention to themselves and they, are, they pay also attention to you appropriately. That's somebody that is healthy. Um, so pay attention to the person's habits. Is this somebody that sleeps healthily, eats healthily, you know, has some things that they do that are, you know, interesting. Do they have some hobby that they love doing? Do they have good relationships with people in their lives? The fact that the person doesn't have a good relationship with his parents does not, or her parents does not mean that he's a problem. But if that person has issues with mom, issues with dad, issues with siblings, issues with best friends, everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> complaining all the time this friend of mine did this this is a warning sign of somebody that has issues with relationships you know alert so alert alert <laughs> exactly so it's these petty petty things just normal things they don't have to be a superhero or a superstar they just need to be a normal person is it also somebody that expresses the ranges of emotions reasonably you know is it somebody that is happy all the time that's somebody that is that has avoidance as a strategy is it somebody that is always look at me? I'm a victim. That's somebody mm. that, you know, has this, you know, melancholic, very negative in a not happy place, uh, uh, kind of thing. I'm not saying that if somebody has a melancholic temperament, it's, it's bad. That's actually, those people are amazing people. I'm just saying that it shouldn't be like that all the time. Right. So a balance of different things. Is it somebody that, you know, it's okay to admit they failed sometimes. Is it somebody that is able to celebrate when something is going well for them? You know, and you can ask questions. You can ask if the person is showing you maybe a certain part of them because you are dating. You can ask that, oh, when was, when was the last time that, you know, you did something that you were proud of yourself and see how they respond. Or, oh, you seem to be happy all the time. I like that you're so happy. But is there anything in your life that, you know, you can share with me that I can, you know, you know I can help you with? If the person is somebody that never takes help or never is like I'm a super person and I am just okay and I don't need anybody, they probably will not need you eventually in the marriage as well. So it's yeah. just being a healthy, balanced person. And I being always human, say, before, it sounds like <laughs> exactly being human. We don't need to be perfect. We just need to be human. But as I I talk about you observing the other person, I am also interested in you. We, me as a person, observe yourself. If I am in a good place, it's very likely I'll attract somebody that is also in a good place and somebody that is also healthy. If something is dysfunctional inside me, that dysfunction will attract <laughs> its dysfunction so that it can hang out together. And so then it's likely I'm going to attract something that, you know, has something in it and I may not even be able to pick it up. Now, nobody is perfect. I am not perfect. I will not meet a perfect person. But I say to people that are going into marriage, because I do premarital counseling as well sometimes, I say that just make sure you know what you're going into. Mm -hmm. If this is what, this is my package. 
and accept that this is the part that, you know, this person is like this and I know he or she is like this, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Don't go into marriage where there is a big flag of something you do not like or you are not able to accept and then hope that it changes. It doesn't change. You know, it's yeah. not fair to you. It's not fair to the other person either. Right. Yeah. You have to go in their eyes open exactly. and realistic. It sounds like. Exactly. Thank you for explaining all that. You're so <laughs> Thank good you. at that. Um, I'm wondering, is there a realness to, um, there's that saying of the seven year itch. I mean, mm -hmm. Deep. Yes, there is. So there are different itches, actually. Um, I think five years is one of them. There's seven years and there's actually a 10, 11 year itch. A lot of marriages after 10 years, you would think, woohoo, we made it. There is an itch there. That was our itch after, you know, around that time. Um, I think what happens after, let's say, seven years, whether it's five or seven or a turn, is, is that um, <clears throat> so by that time you have experienced challenges together you have experienced sides of each other that you don't like and if you haven't consciously dealt with it they have accumulated so and you know it's also been a, a couple of years and i may have made a, you know some bucket list for myself some goals for myself and i look back and i'm like ooh, 10 years what did i achieve and i look back beside me and i'm like that's the guy he's part of the reason why i didn't achieve <laughs> it's his all fault. those things <laughs> exactly what if I married somebody else? What if I didn't even marry at all? And so people start doing this reflection. Meanwhile, there is a huge baggage of problems that have happened over the years that have piled up on top of each other. Um, if we haven't dealt with them. And sometimes they, they are so many, they have become so much that they are too fresh in our mind about what mm -hmm. isn't working in the relationship. That's why I say be intentional in marriage. I don't remember what my husband did to me last week that I didn't like, but I'm sure that I mean, he did something because yeah. I'm very intentional about it now. But there was a time that, are you kidding me? I remember what he did an hour ago, three days ago, <laughs> one week ago, one month ago, one year ago, and we can keep going on and on and on in default power. You got a list. <laughs> I have a list, you know, you just need to say start and I can tell you a hundred things that I remember, you know. And I, I speak to couples, you know, I normally start with an individual and I ask, for example, a guy and I say, can you tell me 10 things that you absolutely love about your partner? And you'll be shocked that somebody has been in a marriage or a relationship for five years or seven years or 10 years. And they struggle to come up with a list like that. And then it, it triggers, you know, some, a, some major drama in relationships. So there is a truth about the age, but it's not the age itself. It is about, you know, a, compil a compilation of challenges or unappreciation or non-intentional, you know, behavior in marriage. And then suddenly you start being intentional about it or start looking at it and it, it doesn't look good in front of you. And typically one person is more dissatisfied than the other. But both of them, if you ask them, they are not very happy if they have not been intentional for five, seven or 10 years. For, so it's different times for different people, but it's also like the number seven is like, people call it a perfect number, 10 years. It's like, oh, we've been married 10 years, but there is a point where people sit down, look at their marriage and they start thinking, all I can see is all these negative things that have happened in this marriage and in this relationship. And this person doesn't even like me. I'm not sure if I like them anymore. And then people start taking inventory and start looking into the marriage. Um, and without getting the right help, 
it can actually propel into major crisis in the marriage. Yeah. So when do you think people should go to, because I know you mentioned that you and your husband didn't take the proper steps. Mm -hmm. So when do you think it's the best time to start going to the counselor or, or going to a coach for mm-hmm. help? So I, I believe that there are some issues in a marriage that two people can figure out themselves. They can sit down together and discuss it. Um, for example, if you have a child and you want to figure out what school the child should go to and we disagree about it, we will probably do some investigation about the school and, you know, have some conversations, maybe ask an expert and then make a decision. In the same way in the marriage, there are some things that can be discussed healthily. Now, if you have a challenge and you have tried to discuss it with your partner a couple of times and you are not able to get to a good place, it is a sign that you should get help. Okay. And a lot of people do not invest in their marriage. You know, I don't think my marriage would have been saved if I didn't invest a lot in me and my husband didn't in himself and we didn't together seek some help. Actually, we got some help along the way. Um, so as soon as you realize that it, you know, the problem is not going away, but it's also not being solved, get help because the earlier you get the intervention, the easier it is. Sometimes it is a simple thing as my mindset changing or my partner's mindset changing and experts. There are people that are professionals that know how to pick on what the issue actually is underlying. Sometimes it's something to do with my childhood trauma or something else about me. And I may not even be aware of it, or I may be aware of it, but I may not want to deal with it. But then at least what it does for us is to understand that, okay, it's not about our terrible marriage. It's not about him. It's about me. There's something going on Mm. with me and I'm not ready to face it. And that's also love accepting that I'm not ready to face it. So we try to navigate around that problem and maybe with love, he helps me to get to a point where I'm ready to face it. But if we don't do that, I, I may start projecting things on him or he may start assuming that some behavior that I'm putting up, it has to do with him and he may internalize it and I'll affect him and will affect our relationship. So sometimes we think getting help means, you know, it has to be something really big. <clears throat> And they are going to talk about your parents and what they did to you and your childhood. And some of us don't want to talk about our childhood. Getting help is also just putting a pen in it and finding out what is going on here. We still have a healthy relationship. We still love each other, but there is something here that maybe we can deal with, or maybe we want to pack for later, or yeah. maybe we have agreed we will deal with it at this time because we think we have capacity to deal with it. So when to get help is when you have tried and it hasn't worked and the the issue still troubles you. So even something like an affair, people think they can just tell their partner, why don't you just stop? You know, a lot of them can't really just stop. Unfortunately, it's not nice to hear it. And it makes you more annoyed <laughs> if you hear that they just can't stop. <laughs> but a lot of people, they just can't stop for mm. two reasons. Either they cannot help themselves or they have become, you know, that thing that they are doing, even though it's negative and it's hurting the other partner, has become a source of, you know, emotional feed for them. Neurologically, mm. the brain is made to feel rewarded from things like that. So that reward, <laughs> they feel they like the reward. So even though they know they should stop, they just can't stop. 
So yeah. if an affair has happened in a relationship, just having a conversation with your partner for most of the time, it actually doesn't stop it. Um, but very early on, if you get intervention, your partner might actually end up getting to understand why they are even doing it. You know, nobody yeah. is that horrible. I don't believe anybody is that horrible that wants to just hurt their partner. We struggle to be objective about it. That's the reason why a professional will help. So as soon as you've done something or you've tried and it's not working, it's time to get professional help. And there are a lot of coaches out there that will give you a free consultation. Um, and then you find out if there is something more that should be explored or that even in itself gives you some insights that you can work with. It seems like really taking an account of everybody's got, you know, you, you, you come into a relationship, you come into a marriage and everybody's got, I mean, I think that's why it's so dynamic. Like you were saying and have been saying that everybody has their own package. I mean, of thoughts and traumas, or maybe there's not a trauma, but there's always, everybody comes with their own package and it, it's almost like a, revealing you know you if if something is wrong you know you gotta unpack that package or you know also i'm seeing more of a visual of like you have two presents that come together and they're beautiful and they look beautiful when you start dating and then you start unwrapping it and you know there's a little crease there there's a little you know the box doesn't look very Purdy, there's a writing on there that probably says something shouldn't, you know, that, that's how I visualize <laughs> it. Mm -hmm. Um, so everybody's not perfect. Like you were saying, you're a human, but it, it's, it's how you deal with the other person, how you deal with the problems internally. And since this is an autoimmune podcast, how do you deal with, I mean, What's your experience in working with people that are chronically ill, chronically, they're never going to feel better. Um, what, what do you do in a marriage yeah. like that? Yeah. So, um, what in principle, what you're asking is what, when sickness hits us in a marriage, um, or when, when there is a sickness that we cannot deal with, we cannot get away with, we cannot get rid of, we cannot just take a pill and then it goes away. Um, mm. And I'll use um, something like my experience with infertility to explain. It's not the same thing, but if I look back at my marriage, the first one before we, we, we you know, it got destroyed. Um, <laughs> if there is anything I would have done differently, it would have been the way we walked that infertility journey. Because I think what was going on was not accepting i'm not saying you should accept that the infertility is good it's not good we didn't like it we wanted something else we wanted a child and we were willing to take a journey to find out what we can do about it so for an autoimmune disease for example you cannot overlook the fact that there are painful days there are days where your partner may not be themselves or they may not be able to do a lot where you, you have to take care of them so the first thing is just accepting this is our situation and actually enjoying the days that you can enjoy. Because if I take infertility, for example, I mean, if we were not having fertility treatments, we were two individuals, we didn't have kids, we were free, we had money, we could travel, we could do whatever we wanted to do. But we were so, you know, 
what what is it called we were so under the covers of infertility that we couldn't even necessarily enjoy our lives fully and we convinced ourselves that we're not going to be able to enjoy life unless we got kids um i know people that don't have kids and are having a fantastic life i actually have a friend who also went through infertility and after halfway through the journey they decided you know what let's stop it we are just going to enjoy our lives and they have an amazing life so being able to just accept the reality in front of us and enjoying what life what we are able to enjoy with each other right now my marriage is not fantastic because we became perfect people it's fantastic because we know how to appreciate each other we are here now we are both healthy it, you know if we are healthy or if none of us is sick we are sitting here we are just enjoying a cup of coffee or a cup of tea together that's fine we enjoy that moment and i show up fully for him and he shows up fully for me so not spending those days that are challenging you know moping around and being negative and complaining about each other or hitting each other where you know it hurts but rather accepting that he is not well today or she's not well today that is also fine she or he is in pain i'm going to do my best to you know reduce it or if i can reduce it do what i can help the rest i cannot do much else about it and just being there that's fine or sometimes leaving because a person just wants to be alone that's fine so loving the person the way that i can or the way that they want also to be loved a combination of the two but very important is even if it is one day a month that we have a good day just make that one day count and it it doesn't have to be let's go and you know let's go to amusement park or do something crazy just sitting in the sofa drinking coffee having a chat with each other just looking at each other being happy just being and enjoying just being that makes the biggest difference yeah. um and especially when there is sickness in the family it is very critical that we remember to compliment each other we remember to say those nice words because words give life so if someone is not well it is the nice words that can give them the energy for tomorrow you know so being very deliberate about you know not going around and just throwing careless words at each other seeing each other you know even if yesterday i i was out of bed for 5 minutes and today it's 6 minutes noticing that oh wow you spend one minute extra out of bed today and i'm not just saying it because I, i can say it but meaning it and letting it mean something for me that i'm so happy that today i got 6 minutes with you where you were you know feeling good and accepting that sickness mix affects people's me you know um moods so if somebody is not well being realistic in what i expect of them I cannot expect them to be energetic and you know if maybe they are negative sometimes maybe they are complaining even though I'm being kind towards them um and that's why you also potentially need some expert help to deal with that because if they are not always positive it can also affect the partner in some way but yeah. the partner understanding that this is the reality of their situation will help them to not take it you know um to heart and take it as if it's an attack on them so it's how we are together how we enjoy the moments we can enjoy and being conscious and deliberate about the difficult moments and actually having a strategy for dealing with the difficult moments it takes it goes a very long way i have couples that have sickness in the family and they are still enjoying an amazing marriage because they are intentional about it 
Yeah. As far as the marriage and what, you know, one person like, like me, I, I have autoimmune disease and my, mm-hmm. we got married and I didn't know I had autoimmune disease. I, we were dating, everything was great, but then I slowly started to decline and we got married and I hit rock bottom. And so I couldn't, I couldn't work anymore. Um, finances changed my, my, like you said, you know, my, my mood changed. I didn't know I went from, you know, this happy bubbly person to, I was depressed. I was moody. I mean, I didn't see it. I just, what do you, what would you recommend for the person that is going through autoimmune disease? You know, what, how are, what are some tips that they should do for bringing in? If we show up as ourselves, we are actually able to help each other. We are able to pinpoint when something is off and it needs help or it needs a little bit of encouragement or a little bit of a push. So don't right. put the pressure on yourself. Don't, um, I don't think you should do anything else than just be yourself and take care of yourself. That is the best way you can love your your partner. And he yeah. should also be himself and take care of himself and show up as he's able to with the skills he, he has and who he is. That's the best way to also love you in this process. And then if there are difficult challenges, we both commit to solving it. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think that is, that makes sense to you. Cause I, I, I mean, I do that naturally cause I don't want him to know how much pain I'm in or, and when I do hide it, he is surprised. Like later on, he's like, well, you, you were fine like yesterday. And I was well, not really, but so showing up and telling him the truth, like on a scale one through 10, you know, I feel like a five or a four today. And, and and that is very helpful, like you said, so he could see the patterns because as humans, we, we, we notice, we take, we, we take notice of that. Um, but as a caregiver, since you are a caregiver now, what can the caregiver do to take care of themselves? Cause like, it could be a lot. Like you said, you're wanting this other person to, you want to take all their pain away. You want them to be healthy. You'll do anything. And that's a lot of pressure on the caregiver. What can they do to take care of themselves? So, yes. Yeah. I I think, so I have, (laughs) you realize that I have a theme of people taking care of themselves. Yeah. Now as a caregiver, um, one of the things that I do, one of the things that I have done is I've actually, I actually, went down in terms of work um, and it's not because my partner needed it or because anybody asked me to do it but I realized that I also needed to take care of myself and process what is going on and I had a desperate need to understand what's going on here um, and be there whether they need me or not I just had a need to be there um, so I had to go through my own process and find out um, what is the one thing that I really would love to be able to do in the season? And that mm-hmm. one thing was to be there. So then I 
the pressure I put on myself is how can I be there? Because that's all that, that, that matters the most to me. Everything else, you know, I give him the respect to be to make some decisions. Of course, if he's going for appointments, I go with him. Um, not every time. Sometimes I'm so tired. He's like, go to bed. I'm going to go. I can drive myself there. I'm fine. And I, I allow that, you know, but there are some, some of the appointments I'm like, I have to be there, even though I look tired, I, I want to be there. So for me, being there was an important thing and I had a very demanding job. So I had to calm down a bit in terms of my job to be able to be there. Now, being there for him was also being there for me because it means that I don't have so much pressure on me because it's a big deal to watch a partner go through something that you know you know you can see that they're struggling with and also what you do or what my husband the two, the two of you people in your shoes do is you try to protect your partner so you don't give all the information you don't want them to be worried you don't want them to know everything that is going on so for me because i prioritize being there i can see a lot which means that he doesn't need to tell me everything. I can see what is going on. I can see it and I can experience it. And I can see he doesn't want to talk about it because he wants to protect me or he just doesn't want to deal with it. He doesn't want to face it, you know, because when you talk about some things, you also have to process it with your brain and all these things. Um, but another thing that I also do to take care of myself and actually in a situation like this, taking care of me is also taking care of him. In the same way, you taking care of yourself is also taking care of your partner and vice versa. Is that I pay attention to him. When I see that he's training himself, I can be a very tough woman. I'm saying, you're going to bed. Stop it. You know, if you care about me, stop it. Because what you're doing is painful to watch. I can see you are tired. Why are you pushing yourself that much? So that is also taking care of myself because I don't care about the dishes lying there. But I care when I see like, why are you pushing yourself? Who told you that, you know, in, in what you're going through, a part of the requirements is for you to excessively push yourself. I know you want to show up strong for us to feel that nothing is really wrong and to protect us, but you don't have to do that because when I see you straining yourself, you are not taking care of me because you are making me overthink the problem. And now I'm going into my head and inside my feelings and getting worried. So go to bed. So taking mm -hmm. care of myself is also sometimes actually taking care of him and paying attention to what is going on. <laughs> um, so it is also taking care and paying attention to the things that he does that potentially will worry me and being vocal about it is taking care of myself. You're going to do everything to shield him, not give him all the information because you just, you, you, you know, in the same way that they don't want you to experience pain, you don't want them to experience pain. And what you know is pain for them is the emotional pain and the helplessness of not knowing how to help you. So you're going to shield them. So how he can, or, you know, he can, he can, you know, take care of himself is accepting that you're going to do that. You're going to yeah. do that anyway. And still calling it out on the times where he says, why do you do that? And, you know, we can call <laughs> things out without it being an argument. We right. can call things out without it being a problem in the marriage. So saying to that, I saw you were in pain. I'm here. I can see everything. I don't know why you're not telling me. But if, if, if it helps you in that time to not tell me about it, it's okay. But just so that you know, if you told me 
it, I wouldn't, it wouldn't break me because I can see you are in pain anyway. So it's yeah. not like I cannot see it. Uh, but I understand how you want to protect me and that's amazing and that's loving from your side. But I also want to be there for you. So it's having the honest conversations and just accepting, allowing the person to be. Sometimes in marriage, we can get so focused on forcing our partners to be something else for ourselves. But the best way we can love each other is to just let people be it. Anything else you think is good for marriage? I mean, mm. any, I mean, I think it's the basics. I know complications like sickness can really create overwhelm. Now, what, <clears throat> like I said, I had to stop working a bit. Um, you know, I had a very high pain, high profile job. Mm. Um, and we, we, you know, just re-looking at life and redefining what is important here in life and just taking it one day at a time. Sometimes we project a lot into the future and that creates the worry. You know, I will, I want to be able to buy this and do this and do that. And I can't see what my economy looks like right now. And then I get worried about the future. A lot of the things we worry about, they never even happen. So sure. for, 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 for the first and foremost, it's just recalibrating and deciding what is important in life right now. Um, mm -hmm. I appreciate just being able to sit with him when he also has low levels of energy and sometimes he can just sleep the whole day. And then sometimes we are there until 2 a.m. and we are thinking we are not good influence on each other. We should probably go to bed. <laughs> you know, we are terrible adults, you know, deal with it. Um, and we make a big deal out of it. And there are times where we plan, we are going to watch something. He's tired. And he could be tired that day. He could be tired the day after. It's fine. All I do is I look forward to the day that we can do it together again. So it is the little things. It is enjoying it and recalibrating life and accepting that this is what it is to, this is what it is now. Um, and making the best out of it. Um, mm. that's what our advice on a daily basis for the economic part. It is also a similar thing, you know, deciding that, okay, we could, we cannot do those things that we used to be able to do, but it is okay. But like you said, the dishes are not getting done. And in the past, both my husband and I, we are crazy people. Even if I am tired and I'm about to fall down, I absolutely cannot go to bed without dishes not done in the sink. I think nowadays, 50% of the time, our dishes are not done. We go to bed. <laughs> I mean, I could actually literally be in the process of washing it and just leave it and go to bed. That's life. Yeah. Life has changed. And I don't care about those dishes anymore. I, I mean, we, the, the thing that I do is I make sure that I would do it before, you know, the day starts. So my husband normally goes for his radiations in the morning and I'll do it before he comes home. That's something I've told myself that when he comes home, the, sh the house shouldn't look like it looked before he left. But in the night, you will not get me washing dishes. And if I'm doing something else and I can see that he has energy, I will stop. I will literally stop. Even if I'm on a conversation with somebody on the phone, I will stop and say, you know what? I got to go. This is my, you know, our time. <laughs> this is one of the few times in the last two, three days that he has energy. And I can see that because I can see him talking on the phone, laughing, happily walking. I'm like, dude, get off the phone. We're going to watch something. We're going to do something together. Yeah. And then yeah. he might joke and say, well, my very, very dictator, dictator wife says I should get off the phone now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> he does that. 
I'm like, thank oh, you for goodness. making me look like a good wife on the phone. Um, <laughs> and then we will hang out because I can yeah. see, well, he looked like he didn't have energy, you know, an hour ago, but it looks like he has energy now. So we can hang out now. So it's also just grabbing the moment when I can see it, but also just letting him be. I can also get tired. You know, your partner is also emotionally processing a lot of things. Right. And sometimes I get up and I'm like, I just don't feel like doing anything today. And I'm not a sick one, but I don't feel like doing anything. I don't yeah. feel like washing the dishes. I don't I don't even feel like making the kids, you know, meal and stuff like that. And then we say, okay, should we do pizza today? Yeah, we do pizza. I used to have an an opinion about McDonald's and, oh, God, who gives their kids McDonald's? You know what? My kids eat a lot of McDonald's these days in this season of our lives. And yeah. it's totally fine. It's not going to kill them. Even they understand that we are in a season, you know, right. of our lives. So it's just being realistic, um, being honest with myself, taking care of myself, letting him take care of himself. Let everything else be a secondary matter. When you have those five minutes together, it's okay. Just appreciating it. And you know what happens though, is that you and your partner appreciate each other much more. You, you, as long as it's not illegal, because stepping on legal bricks is really painful. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's really painful. So I'm like, pick up all your legal, leave the rest, go to bed. It's fine. You know, even the kids, we are more lenient towards them because we only have a certain amount of capacity as people. Right. And we have to deliberately choose what we choose to put our capacity or our efforts into. Right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your tips and your stories. And how can people work with you? I know you have like a I, I I was playing with it last night. The the um, is it the test? Yeah, the temperature test, temperature yes. test of marriage. Yes. And yes. then you also have like a cheat sheet of mm -hmm. of information on marriage. So yes. anything else? Um, how can people work with you? Yes. You can work with anybody all over the world because of Zoom, right? Is is that something yes. that you prefer? Yes, yes. So I, I mean, I offer um, this test that uh, Desiree is talking about, which is um, um, a seven minute or five minutes test, depends on how fast you go, um, which asks you some questions about your marriage. And typically when you finish that test, I always invite people to book me for a free 45 minutes transformational call. Um, because I mean, it's your marriage, it's, it's sensitive things. And you know, just getting, oh, your marriage is good or Ooh, your marriage is bad. I mean, when I was in trouble with my marriage, I don't think that would encourage me necessarily. <laughs> so I want to dig a bit into it with you and then talk about it and understand and also get to know you and you get to know me a bit. And then we can explore if we can work together. If we are able to work together, then I have three things that I offer. I offer the one-to-one -one sessions. Um... And if, where I have like a seven week program, which is seven weeks to save your marriage. I do the same thing in a group pod and I highly recommend the group pods because first of all, it's more economically friendly. Um, but also you meet people that are in exactly the same situation as you, um, because we try to put the groups together very accurately. Um, and you, you know, you get a sisterhood or a brotherhood and you get to work with some amazing people. And I'm beginning to also launch um, a digital program where I would, you know, be doing, it's almost like a group 
support um but it is you know self so do it yourself kind of but the first few people that will be doing the digital program with me you would almost experience it as a group board because I'll be doing it live with you um, okay. and you would actually help me to shape it and I'll be taking your questions live if you take the digital you also experience me one on one if you take the group you also experience me one on one not on the same frequency as the one on one coaching so that's what I um and so if you just want some free resources yesterday I did a webinar on marital affairs um you can just listen to it and get some nuggets on how to you know deal with that if you are having a um, you know your partner is having an affair or you are having an affair um how to deal with it or how to navigate that situation but whatever it is i hope you get help if your marriage is in trouble because there's so much help out there and if with the right help you will be able to either save your marriage or exit the marriage in a healthy way i always emphasize on do it in a healthy way so that you can move on properly with your life so get the help that you need whether it's me or someone else Thank you. Thank you for Thank sharing. You, I appreciate you. your time. And you have a wonderful evening because it's Thank you so much. evening where you're at, right? Yes, yes. Thank you for having me. This has been amazing. I'm grateful. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. As an autoimmune coach, I know what you track on a daily basis makes a big contribution to your symptoms and flares. If you're interested in a free tracking app, go to Isla Health. And like you, I've been hearing a lot about the health benefits of mushrooms lately, but don't care too much for the mushroom coffee. That's why I started taking BioVail Myco from Adapt Naturals. It's a blend of eight mushrooms, including reishi, chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, in a convenient capsule form. I get the benefits of mushrooms, more energy, sharper focus, and stronger immunity without having to give up my delicious java. For a limited time, the folks at Adopt Naturals are offering my audience 15% off their first order. So just go ahead to adaptnaturals.com slash Dez, D-E-Z, 15, to learn more and get started. Until then, stay stronger than autoimmune.